My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the Lord be in my heart and on my lips, that may fitly and worthily proclaim the Holy Gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My title this morning is Servant or Son. We'll be dealing with the reading we heard from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. The story of the prodigal son, or should, as it should probably really be known, the story of the two sons. The story begins with a wealthy father who has two sons. And the younger son says to his father, Give me my share of what is yours. Many people have noted he's asking his father to give him his share of the inheritance that he would only receive upon his father's death. So in a way, he's acting as if his father were dead or he's, he's saying without saying, I wish you were dead. And surprisingly, the father grants his request, gives him what he asks for. He gives his younger son his share of the inheritance. Now, the older son would receive the bulk of the inheritance and be responsible for the care of the family upon the death of the father, but the younger son would still receive something from the inheritance. And it's significant enough that it enabled him to leave home. So, he says, give me what is mine, even though it's not really his yet. And then he takes it and acts like his family is dead. He goes to a faraway place. And he wastes everything he's been given on reckless living. In fact, the older son at the end of the story highlights the fact that his younger brother wasted his inheritance on prostitutes. So we get an idea of the sort of reckless living the text is talking about. The younger son essentially went to Vegas and partied hard until there was nothing left. Would be the modern equivalent, or maybe Reno. What I find interesting about this particular portion of the story is the young son is saying, give me what is mine, only it's not his. Because, like I've said, the father isn't dead. So there seems to be, from the younger son, a sense of entitlement. A sense that he's owed something from his father, and you better give it to me. Doesn't seem to be, from the younger son, a sense of affection or care for his father or his family. Just a desire to get what's his, or what he thinks is his. And we see this on clear display in our own culture as well, brothers and sisters. Many people are running around as the younger son, entitled to special treatment. I see this all the time, especially while driving on Route 22. The other day I was on Route 22 and there was some traffic and both lanes were at a crawl. And I looked in my rear mirror and what do I see? Cars on the shoulder, driving. And they weren't inching, they were, flying down, they were flying down the shoulder of the road, probably a good 50 miles an hour while everybody else was stopped. They couldn't wait in traffic like anybody else, everybody else. They couldn't wait for the exit like everybody else. They were so special because they had to reach the exit before all of us. 
Because what they have to do is far more important than what I had to do, even at the expense of my safety and everybody else's safety on the highway. And this highlights an attitude of ingratitude, particularly towards God and his good gifts that he has given us. Right? So we expect good things from God. And he better give it to me right now because he owes us. Because I was really good. I had perfect church attendance. I did all the right things. I said all the right things. When Pastor Mike told me to kneel, I knelt. When we prayed the prayer of St. Ephraim, everybody else just nodded their heads, but I got down on the ground and I knelt. I gave consistently every single Sunday. I threw something in the offering. God owes me. That's ingratitude, brothers and sisters, and it stems from pride. We don't often have an accurate image of ourselves, and so we tend to puff ourselves up in our own mind, inflate our own sense of importance. The younger son is unable to see himself as he truly is until he wastes everything. So this next part of the story, which I'm including under the heading, I'm not worthy. The younger son, after wasting everything that he was given by his father, finds himself destitute because a famine has hit the land where he is living and he is unable to survive. And we have to keep in mind here, brothers and sisters, that he is a Jew, which makes where he winds up feeding the pigs all the more shocking, since the Jews considered pigs to be unclean animals. And he's so hungry, he needs to eat their food. So this is meant to show us, brothers and sisters, how low he has sunk in the story. The state of his soul is mirrored by the situation that he has found himself in, kneeling among the muck and the mire of the pig pen. And sometimes the situations we find ourselves in mirror the state of our own souls as well. But then it says he came to himself. He remembered the goodness of his father, that even those who are servants in his father's house, those who are, not, who are not officially part of the family are treated better than the conditions he's currently living in at the moment. On Wednesday nights, we're reading through selections from the church fathers through the season of Lent, and I would highly recommend that you would come to that. Uh, we have soup dinners at 545 prayer uh, at 6.30 and then a selection from the church fathers and discussion. But, but St. Augustine said something. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday. He, using this part of the story, he said, he, the younger son, had fallen away from his father. He had fallen from himself. He had gone away from himself to those things that are without, the things that are external. He returns to himself and goes to his father where he may keep himself in security. So St. Augustine's point here is that the younger son has understood that to come to himself is to deny himself so he can return to the father. The pride that leads to ingratitude needs to be shaken and challenged and destroyed. And it's, it's only when we learn to deny ourselves that we are then able to see what we need to return to the father. So since he had already received his inheritance and spent it all, he sees no place for himself in the family as the son of the father. Because of what he's done, he doesn't see himself 
as a son. He says, I will go and ask him to receive me, not as a son, but as a servant. Because in his mind, that's what he deserves for what he's done. And that's true. He doesn't deserve to be received like a son. He doesn't even deserve to be received as a servant. Because everything that he did, everything that he said, he alienated himself from his father and from his family. You are dead to me. So the younger son returns to his father's house. From lost to found, the section's called. And he says to his father what he has been preparing. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Treat me as a servant. But it's important to note in the story, the father does not wait for the son to come home. He doesn't wait for the son to come down to the ground and to grovel and to beg for forgiveness with tears. Please forgive me. He doesn't put him through the ringer and then say, okay, I guess I forgive you, but I'm never going to let you forget what you did. Have you ever done that to somebody? I have. For, have you forgiven me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then like a week later, hey, remember that time you said that really hurtful thing to me? You suck. I thought you forgave me. Oh, I did, but, you know. And we know, look, forgiving is not forgetting, right? We know that. If anyone ever tells you forget and forgive and forget, doesn't understand forgiveness. We don't forget, but we get to the place where when we think about what was done to us, that pain is no longer attached to it. And forgiveness also doesn't mean that you let evil people, toxic people back into your life. It's worth mentioning. But the father doesn't make the younger son grovel. He sees him coming from far away, which means he was waiting for him. It means he's waiting for him to come home. And when he sees him, he runs and he embraces him. And he just brushes off and ignores what the son has asked of him. And he turns to his servants and he says, bring me my robe, my ring. Kill the fatted calf and let's have a feast. The fatted calf is the calf that's been prepared for feasting because it's, you know, it's like a free-range cow, right? It was just the, eating the best grass and we're saving it for this really special occasion. Kill the calf and let's have a feast. Because my son has died but is alive again, he was lost, but now he is found. The son goes to the father to request to become a servant, to become a slave. In response, the father gives to him the marks of sonship. Objects that identify who he is, the beloved son, not the hired servant. And we see here on full display the love of the father towards someone who rebelled against him, rebelled against his authority, who destroyed relationship, and then wasted his blessings on wickedness. But when the son comes to himself and realizes what he's done, he returns to the father in repentance, and the father welcomes him with joy and with love. And this makes the oldest son angry. Because he says to the father, I served you faithfully. You've never given me the fatted calf. You've never thrown me a party so I can make merry with my friends. So I'm not going to join the feast. Because look at what my younger brother has done. 
I'm not going to rejoice that he's back. Why should I rejoice that he's back? He wanted us dead. He lived as if we were dead. He cut himself off from us. Why in the world would I celebrate his return? And it's interesting to note here that the older brother is playing out in his own way the same attitude that the younger son had played out. But in his case, the belief that the father owed him out of his, because of his obedience. And it doesn't look like this is born out of love, but he served the father faithfully out of duty. See, both sons in the story are lost. Both of them. Both sons do not understand the love of the father and both sons are confronted with that fact. And the parable leaves the fate of the oldest son open. Did he go to the party? I hope so. And I hope in that interaction with the father, he like his brother came to himself and realized the goodness and love of the father. And there's so many different ways that I've already done it in this sermon so far that we can apply this story to our lives and what it means for us. Now we can go through the symbolism of the story like all of us are like the younger son, right? We have taken God's good gift given to us. We have been created in his image and in his likeness. We were given in the garden life, divine life, union with God. And we tossed it away for self-rule and self-knowledge apart from a relationship and union with the God who created us. And so we took God's good gift and we wasted it on riotous living, on debaucherous living. And it's only in the depths of our sin when we come to ourselves and we return to the Father through the gift of his Son. And how does God receive us when we repent and turn to him with love and with forgiveness? And it's never too late to return to the Father. Wherever you are in life, it's never too late to turn to the Father and repent. I have sinned against heaven and against you. Not more, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And this could even be serve as a picture for the relationship of the Hebrew people and the Gentiles to God. Right? The older son would be the Jews and the younger son would be the Gentiles who were living lives of paganism and, and hostility towards God. And the Jews were given the Torah and they obeyed the Torah. and they, Well, they tried. And they tried to live by the Torah. And then God is bringing the Gentiles back into relationship with him. And that makes the Jews angry. Right? That's totally there here in this story as well. And God is like, it's my intention to bring you together. But I want to focus on one other thing today here as well. Um, there's a Lutheran pastor the other day who I know online. He said that this story here offers God's antidote to the three great slaveries that keep us bound. Number one, debauchery, sinful living. Number two, despair. And number three, pride. And the only way they were able to see, where we we're able to see this is when we come to our senses, when we come to ourselves, when the Holy Spirit shines his light in us to show us who we are and what we need, when we examine ourselves, when we see that there are things in us that need to be purged, and, and we treat God the same way the younger son treated the father. We don't appreciate him. We live as if he wasn't there, as if he has no claim on us. We treat him as if he were dead, and we make demands of him. 
And it's actually this last one, making demands of God, that I'm going to focus here at the conclusion of the sermon this morning. See, part of the problem of the son, as he locates the blessing of his father in his inheritance, in what he can get from his father. This is materialism. The blessing of my father is what he can give me. Property, money. And this is a major problem in the church today. Church after church, pastor after pastor, highlight the idea that the blessings of God that are laid out for us in Scripture, that the promises that God have given us that are fulfilled in Christ, are actually speaking about how our wallets can get fatter and our bank accounts can get larger. What these purveyors of prosperity miss out on is that our status as sons of God is worth more than money and material goods. Because, brothers and sisters, the true gift, the true inheritance that we are waiting for as believers is to become the living, redeemed children of God. And so we need to come to ourselves and return to the Father with the expectation that He will receive us with joy and with love. The true gift of Scripture. Whenever we read the promises of God about material blessing, there are groups of Christians that say, God owes this to me. In fact, he has to do it because I gave X amount of money. This is like a spiritual law. If I give this much, I should get this much back. Or God is obligated to financially take care of me because of what I've done. I've checked off the boxes. I had, as one popular one with a smiling face will tell you, just have a good attitude. Everything will turn out okay. God will give you the money. But that's your inheritance as God's children. God wants you to have good things, right? If God says, if a father, if a son asks his father for, for you know, an egg, will he give him a stone or a serpent? No. And then we take that to mean that God will give us everything that we ask for. But the blessings of God is, the blessing I should say of God is our status as sons of God. Because brothers and sisters, eternal life is worth far more than the blessings of this one. So let us not spurn the love of the Father. Let us not misunderstand the true blessing of the Father. And let us develop the humility necessary to examine ourselves to see who we are and what ails us and what we continually enslave ourselves to. As the psalmist said, in 139, 23 to 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And as St. Paul said in the reading we heard from 2 Corinthians this morning, We are ambassadors for Christ. I appeal to you. Be reconciled to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to GoFundMe.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. 
we have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zionstone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, ZionstoneUCC.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.